Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Well, folks, today we are so blessed to have here with us Kalpa Gupta, who is going to be sharing with us about her journey of healing. And we're also going to get to really dig into such an important topic, which is how to identify, deal with, and heal uh, from trauma in the workplace. We know that the experiences that we have in childhood impact so many areas of our lives. We often focus on, you know, personal relationships, but gosh, those relationships we have at work and how we show up at work and all of that can be just so impacted. And Kalpa is the right person to be talking to us about this because she has founded her company, Next Group, which really helps people deeply connect and transform their lives and their businesses and rebuild relationships and speak from, you know, a place that's really internally and externally authentic. Kalpa has done her work in her own journey of healing with, you know, therapy and coaching and conversations with her husband and son and soul searching. 
So we are going to gain so much from Kalpa's wisdom today. Thank you so much for being here and being my guest. Thank you, Rachel. And I must admit, I was also listening when, when we were planning for this podcast, I was following your work and I'm so impressed by um, really your work that you've done in terms of helping survivors move past that, right? That surviving phase and there's more in life. So I am super excited to also bring in that lens of personal trauma and then workplace um, toxicities or other biases that we see around in our world, how that impacts us. Oh my gosh. So on it. Thank you for being a fan and being a follower and um, for your words of confirmation. I received that. And yeah, you know, I've been doing this work since 2007. So it's been a little minute and you too have been, you know, on your journey. And I'd like to start there kind of telling us a little bit about your background and your own experiences of trauma and just, yeah, how you've kind of gotten to where you are today. Sure. So I would say my uh, epiphany around all of this journey, I say, started with my path to motherhood right? and, mm. and uh, shit hit the fan when I was also newly promoted as a man, as, as a leader in a large global, you know, a fortune hundred company. And um, I was also in the middle of a situation where I found my values were not aligned and I was completely burnt out. Um, you know, and I realized that I was carrying a lot of my personal trauma in my life that I needed to heal, right? And um, I, I thought this was a thing of the past, you know, as in my infertility journey, like many of, you know, the people like, or in my relationships, the kind of people I attracted, I had done all of the work and, you know, it was all a thing of the past, but no, you know, the same feeling of you know, not being enough. Am I, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Uh, and, you know, almost like in Alice Miller's book, The Drama of the Gifted Child, she describes that achievement. So I feel like I was hiding behind achievement. Um, mm -hmm. So really the, yeah. the short st story is I was sexually abused since three, four years old up until like 20 years, um, early, early 20 by different people, uh, an uncle, a teacher, uh, a cousin, uh, and a few other uncles, and you know, you name it, like six, seven people, like I probably lost count. And I, right now I'm saying it with a straight face and trust me, you can get past that. I think it was more of, um, it, it really uh, made it hard for me to trust people, right? And trust, sure. and it, the irony of it is I always somehow managed to keep my inner child that that always knew that I was more than that like alive and I find that my life is like a beautiful gift that I was able to save that right because um oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and um so really um back to your question then um in that you know context of me growing up in India you know um in a patriarchal society which is very similar to U.S., honestly, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're not people. really that far for long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, we like to say we are, but I don't know about Right, you. U.S. not ratifying the, you know, equal rights for women, like one of the seven countries along with Iran and, you know, a few others. So we have a long way to go, just even though it, we lived in both of these democracies, right? And, and by the way, um, this is not just a women's issue. One in four girls, one in six boys are abused before they are 18 in US, at least by published 
uh, reports. In India, every 15 minutes, a child is abused. In US, it's every nine minutes. And I want to, these are not just stats. These are lives. Lives. Right? And I don't think it hit me in that sense, all of this data like that I had read or anything until I had my own child. And I remember like holding and nursing him one day and he must have been two, three. And I'm like, I looked at him and, and this was around the same time that I had started experiencing abuse. And I was like, oh, if something were to happen to him, right? Or if he, like, would that be his fault? No way on earth. Hmm. So, no you know, way. why am I like, why am I now, even though I thought this was a thing of the past, why am I feeling ashamed? Why am I feeling, you know, unworthy? And why am I like feeling like I'm hiding constantly? I need to have this success and everything material, like for me to feel like, you know, uh, I got it right. I have that yeah. control back in life. So um, we can go many different ways from here, but that's basically just of where all of this um, healing essentially started. Mm, right? Going, yeah. okay, it's not a thing of the past. I got to deal with it. And the only way I can change reality for my son is if I start to start speaking about it, you know, start to confront mm. and share with others. And, and really, I mean, I, I didn't want to believe that that is it. Like, you know, this can't be that, you know, I need to get this life sentence. Oh, I was abused and I'm broken. And, you know, oh my gosh. you are so speaking my language, lady. <laughs> I feel you on that so much. I mean, yeah, I think it's, first of all, this, this piece that you're touching on that I think is, is great for us to kind of bring forward, which is the ways in which uh, those of us who experience trauma abuse often um, do lean on things like success, um, achievement, uh, you know, status as a way to say, look, everything is beautiful and bright and shiny over here. There, of course, is nothing like wrong going on. And that becomes such a, a trap in so many ways and very suffocating and keeps us away from really looking at um, the the harm we stay in that place of pretending and hiding I can relate to that very much myself like well I'm doing great in school so I must be fine right mm -hmm. yeah 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 and, and then something happens and for you it was motherhood that said mm, we better take a closer look at that right for me it was a divorce I think there's always something somewhere along the way in every person's life uh, that says okay that thing that you've been ignoring mm, we better take a closer look yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, it was motherhood. And also, I think the corporate, you know, the workplace trauma, right? So, yeah. and I say that in a broader umbrella of, you know, the microaggressions, the biases, the adverse childhood experiences, the expanded aces beyond like the, you know, the, the abuse, neglect, and family dysfunction, like bullying, or, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, Racism, racism, right? All of these all that, things yeah. that actually comp have a compounding effect, right? In in yes. terms of your the lens, both the lens to which an individual sees the situation, the mm -hmm. the broader context in which the organizations are designed, right? And then the society, you know, that we are operating, and then our intergenerational, you know, lens, right? So I'm yes. going to focus on the workplace dynamics. Like I was the only. Um, 
honestly, when I was a director, pretty much only a couple of women of color that I saw locally, like uh, within the yeah. broader kind of context. And I was working in a large company. I remember going out uh, at a leader's executive kind of meeting and just saying, literally 10 men, less than 10%, uh, you know, women, right? And so you're always trying to strike that conversation. Um, I remember uh, one of the situations that actually I want to talk about where, and, and, and again, it, through the lens that this is not about any organization. This is how many, many, many yes. organizations yeah. It's systemic. Are. It's broad. It's systemic. Yeah. It's broad, right? So for things, and I also speak um, all of the stories to the lens of people that I've led, people of different demographics, you know, Caucasian women, single mothers, or, uh, you know, um, or, or rather parents versus women that are, you know, single, mm -hmm. you know, male, people of color. And, and I, when I see how systemically we praise some people and we berate others for the same type of behavior, right? Yeah. Uh, they are in performance reviews or when they are, you know, are talking about leaders are talking about senior leaders about who has more potential. Um, you know, there's a tendency to have like confirmation bias, right? Which is basically, you know, you are seeing the world through your lens. And I'm an economist, a big fan of, you know, all of the work that uh, Daniel Kahneman did on, you know, all of the think slow, fa think uh, fast and slow, right? The book, right? It's all summarized. Mm -hmm. um, so two things that I saw often, very often happen. One is the, you know, the negativity bias. The other is the confirmation bias. And negativity yeah more from a from an individual's perspective you know like I had experienced trauma right in my childhood so the feeling yep. of not being enough not being worthy um, so for example when I was raising my hand for directors there were three times I think I got two rejections and then the third one I got it but then I my first thing was did do I even deserve like why is this person again giving me the role if this person was already telling me I wasn't ready, you know, at one point, right? Or, yeah. uh, right? So it's, and then like going, but th this had more to it. We also attract as, you know, um, people that are, have experienced trauma. And if you haven't done the healing, the toxicity and the bullying and all of the things, right? So in my case, the energy which which I was showing up was also like not speaking up, you know, holding my voice. Yeah you know, not asking for things or, and then whatever I would say, even when I used, had my courage to raise my yep. voice, it was being seen as difficult, right? Oh, or, exactly. Oh, she's so aggressive. She's so difficult. Yeah. Why she just play by the rules? Or, All that or she can't accent. communicate, you know, my accent is yeah. such where I, I so emotional. Did right? you ever get that and, one? And back in the day, like, Today, if somebody says you can't communicate, I own my accent. Like, I'm like, look, people, I speak three languages. I didn't start, start speaking until English, like until I was 16 years old, you know? I can give you this message in three ways. Let's right. go. I can deliver three ways. You know, you have a problem. Like, I don't have a vocabulary problem, right? I, I would say that. But at the time, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And it's not like just here. You know, if you take U.S., any, any context, cultural context, you would find it. But we are talking specifically you know, America and U.S. because, you know, U.S., let's face it, like systemically, we do have an influence globally on the, you know, the world culture. So I think all of those lenses really made me feel at some point, and I was burnt out. So I was asking for support for building my team and um, extra resources, but I just wasn't receiving. And 
and and and granted everybody has to work through the limitations we have in organizational you know um, cultures right large companies and it, if the workplace is not designed from trauma same yeah. things can have really adverse impact on the people right yeah. so i think it i just went down a spiral and i think after a few years i left after working till 2 a.m in the morning oh my gosh right so that's yeah topic for another day well yeah you know i think it's really important the way the couple of things that you touched on there first of all how like just the way that we show up in the space am i in my voice am i empowered do i show up with agency or am i in my trauma response am i in my child self or my victim self where i don't have voice um, where I see everything, you know, against me. Um, and there are very real things that are against me, but when I am in my trauma response, it's disproportional. And so there's everything is against me and I can't mm -hmm. get any perspective in that space. And then that over, um, gosh, what's the right word? It's like the overgiving. You know, the lack of boundary, like the, yeah, all of that, right? Like you, you're the first one there. You're the last one home, like all of that, no work-life balance. And again, it's through that lens of like, I have to prove that I'm good enough. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is by, you know, being here all hours of the day, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're speaking the same language. I, I say, you know, I wasn't giving me the grace that I was giving everybody. Right, like we overcompensate. We are like people pleasing. This is again one of the tendencies, right? Because you, as a child, had to learn to tiptoe around people. Like you know, people even if, like in my case, when I shared uh, with my family, and um, I didn't share, by the way, with my family anybody until a few years ago, right? So it's a very recent thing. So. I, and in my case, they have been super supportive, you know, including my husband who's been, you know, we've been married for nearly 17 years now and my, um, my parents, uh, and it was hard for my dad to hear. It was hard. I even shared with um, a lot of the family members, you know, like about the people and um, I've had conversations with abusers, but it was, it was a relatively recent development where I shared with everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, response was very, you know, positive, positive in the sense from a support perspective. So I feel for people, you know, where they, they you know, carry those tendencies of people yeah. pleasing is um, because you probably shared it with a, somebody about your trauma and they didn't believe. So what, guess what happens? You come in a workplace in a healthy, if you had healthy development, right? Or healthy in, emotional kind of all of that maturity or, you know, uh, uh, you would have probably seeked out help or you had, if you had access, you would know, wait, this is not healthy. This is not how I should respond, right? But when you don't have those resources or where you're not, that awareness isn't there, you know, everything feels like, like a spiral that you, you, get, you get sucked into other people's, um, you know, drama. And sometimes it's not even your drama. Somebody else, uh, the part that I haven't touched so far, um, Rachel, is that, so if one in four adults have sexual abuse, you know, have experience as a child, some of these people are also leaders. They're walking on eggshells. For sure. Yes. Right. That's so right. So hypervigilance control, you think about how our workplaces, our nations, you know, defense, everything is designed. People are trying to control other people to really mm -hmm. feel the safety. Yeah. 
Oh, it's such a good point. It's such a good point because company culture is really very often top down. There are some organizations out there that work more holistically, but oftentimes. And so if your leader is in that space of unhealed trauma or whatever it might be, then exactly that's going to impact and influence the way that everything is run, the communication, the expectations, the the lens of it all. So Man, you know, you're you're making me think of a moment in my own uh, life when I was working at a, a startup, and there was this moment where we were in a meeting, and I had gone in. We had a uh, you know a shared spreadsheet, and I had gone in and I'd moved some columns, like just like moved a column over here because the tracking of like this data, like I want to see that data before this data. And you would have thought that I had killed this man's firstborn child. <laughs> up like shit yelling like raised voice yelling and in that meeting I stood up and I walked away and I had to take a breath you know this was like I could feel my own trauma response starting Mm -hmm. um, from having been in an abusive marriage and it was like pinging that for me and I went to the bathroom and I chilled out I got perspective like okay let's let's go back let's figure it out and I'll never forget walking back into that meeting and then being pulled aside and being chastised for walking out. And it just has always stayed with me as the reality of when workplaces are not trauma-informed. And also, absolutely, patriarchy, right? Like one behavior is acceptable. It's we look past it. We're, we allow for it. And then when a woman does X, Y, Z, no, 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 no. You cause emotion emotional waves. That's what they said to me. (laughs) I cause emotional waves. And so how are we to, I mean, and that's just the dynamic of a a woman, not add in if you're a woman of color, if you're a woman with disabilities, uh, if you're a woman who is trying to balance, you know, parenting and all of these things, right? It gets so layered. How do we, as people who have experienced trauma, prepare ourselves and to, to be in the workplace, how can we support ourselves? What can we do? Um, I know there's another question there, but I won't ask a million questions all at once. <laughs> we just start with that. <laughs> yeah. So I share this from the lens. People can be at different points in their life, in their age, their you know relationship, like all of it. If you are in your you know post teenager, early you know adult, and really entering the workforce force, be aware of these patterns essentially, right? Like that, that hypervigil, the fight, flight, and, you know, um, freeze mm-hmm. response and fawn and, you know, other where you're really thinking about, you're re-triggered thinking that this whole same whole core wounds of, as my therapist would say, right, are activated. Yeah. <laughs> so you be aware as you're going in a workplace and if somebody is talking to you in a way or doing something that is not okay. For example, ask the question, how would I respond if this were to happen to my best friend? Or how would I respond if this were to happen to, you know, somebody um, who works for me in a team or, you know, and usually women like that are trauma survivors, they are really caring for their team and going all the way, right? Fighting for other people. So think about that. And if, if that is not okay, it's not okay for you to tolerate that, right? So so that's yeah. one. The, the, that's just more from a workplace, like knowing that you are an adult now, you're not that child who had to 
who had no other options and you know really who you were the victim but really taking back the power saying be present now and it's harder said than done um in that and then the second thing i would say is really our self self i would say self love in the broader umbrella which which to me it starts with forgiving and i know it's a hard place to for many right to get to but that just any way you can release emotions um whether you go to a therapist whether you you know work with people like rachel or me or others um you know talk whether you talk to a friend do do anything but read ask for support right you know that remember the stats and you are not alone and then third if you are in you know in your life somewhere you know i don't know 30s 40s or beyond and just know that people are triggered at a couple of different points in their life one is you know as you are um of course in your when you are having other you know relationships like you are attracting this you are used to certain things and in some weird ways we are attracting this the partners who are going to show us the same hurt us the, again in a deeper way right um yeah. and you, as a as a parent you might be again triggered uh, get triggered when you first started experiencing your abuse or again when your children become that adolescent or you know they go through that age which is a reason a lot of the survivors they start they're sharing their stories in their 50s you know the average age that people share is like 52 or 53 right? can you imagine right, right. yeah so, yeah super some free high level um, things and you know like really for somebody to get started being aware well i think that's really great advice i think it's really wonderful and i think a point that you made there that i really want to highlight is that you know we are um you know, company culture is very interesting because for a very long time, it was you go to work and that is a separate place and you have kind of almost like this persona or this identity and this self and like anything personal, you leave it at the door. Yeah. And um, there's this interesting way in which there is more of a shift there. There's this book called like Emotions at Work, right? Like there's more, we're starting to see more of these conversations about like bringing in who you are and I'm, I need a personal care day. I'm like really having a bit more transparency. And then, so the point that you made there, which is what's happening over here in our life and like our relationships and our family, it is going to come over into our workplace. We can't segregate these two things. But I also wonder, like, it's, it's sometimes like, where is the balance, right? Because it feels like there's a little bit like the other trap that I think survivors uh, of trauma can sometimes fall into is the oversharing. Yeah, it's like, oh, like, I want to have this safe space where I can be authentic and like, man, I'm having a bad day. But there's this tricky, I mean, do you feel that way too? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that piece? So, so a couple of things, right? So I almost challenge the age old thing that, you know, you kind of have to suffer in silence, essentially, right, for your lifetime. I think you and I are aligned on that, right? Yeah, for sure. Just think about the world, like what, what thing is out there where nobody gets triggered? I challenge, right? So like there is hot coffee. Some people hold the hot coffee. You're asking for buying something at Starbucks and they have to write like caution, it's hot. Come on, you ask for a hot coffee, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, so it, I'm not saying in this case, somebody asked to be re-traumatized. What I'm saying here is that part of the challenge is we, we people deal with their trauma in their private lives. And then they come, they feel like, oh, that's it. And then you don't realize you're one whole being. You know, yeah. 
Right. And, and that your emotions, your some things are like are going to be there. So being aware, it doesn't mean that I go to the details of exactly who did what, you know, to me. Um, there's certainly some boundaries, but it also means that as a healthy individual, you know, healthy adults, and we get to, all of us get to work on it. I don't think most of us didn't have those healthy boundaries. At, yeah. as yeah. It's like knowing that there's that person, like it's their story, right? I am not in that story. We start seeing us in that story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, mm-hmm. like uh, early on when I would share, if somebody else were to share, you know, in my support groups or, you know, abuse, um, you know, about childhood, uh, childhood sexual abuse, I would cry. Like I would cry on my own. I would cry for them. These days I'm holding the space because, you know, I have done the work and I'm Holding. And and when somebody else is sharing, even in their seventies and sixties and so on, and trust me, I've had those conversations where yeah. where I I don't need to feel that pain. You know, I can hold a space, right? But they they just need to share. Now, in a workplace context, I think part of the the problem where the problem happens, where I clearly draw a line, is where you shouldn't force people to share, like uh, in the name of team building activities, like hey, one yeah yeah. You do need to make sure, you know, when you are holding, and this has been my learning also holding some events and speaking uh, that make sure that people are aware that there could be topic sensitive topics being discussed. And I've spoken in forums uh, by now uh, in front of over 200, you know, executives, like in mostly in financial Mm. services and women and that audience. And I will tell you every time I do the survey, right? One in, you know, almost half the room has experienced or know somebody, right? So people don't know. And it's a big release when they are able to see that others have experienced it. So by and large, I I believe um, sharing is important to, you know, Mm. like it's a thing of the past. For me, it doesn't hold anything, any control over me. Uh, But if we don't share, right, we are just perpetuating that same silence right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there are certainly those examples where, you know, oversharing, uh, forcing people is not yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. So survivors know that you always have a choice where you feel you should share or not. You do have that choice. Just remembering that you people do, you do need to, you know, people need your permission, essentially, right? I think it's great. Yeah, it's it, what I heard in there, too, that's important is thinking about the the context and the purpose of the sharing, why am I sharing it? And then the, who am I sharing it with? Does this person have the capacity? Do I have a level of connection relationship such that that is going to be, um, you know, more not guaranteed, but a good chance that it won't be a high risk, you know, thing that I do there. As we start to wrap up, which I'm like, what? I want to talk to you for like another five hours. What do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> so I'm looking forward to staying in touch and, and getting to share more of your resources, but maybe you can um, just tell us a little bit about how people can get in touch with you. And I know there are kind of these two prongs of your work as well. There's the work you're doing with people who have experienced trauma, and then there's work that you're doing with corporations, businesses. So um, give us a little 411 about that. Sure. So, you know, I, I always joke, I love variety. So I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur, if you will. Like I, I just couldn't fit in a box, right? So the part of me, who I am, I'm really a connector and I love 
talking to people. I love writing. I love speaking and I love singing, right? So that's like my jam, right? And I love travel and learning. So in the business line, I yes, I have three lines of businesses, if you will. One is the corporate consulting, given where I come from, like where I have spent most of my time. And it is also centered around really the premise that women need more money. So consulting, I do want to show up. I've been in financial services for nearly like 20 years since I started my career. Um, and um, so I, I do consulting on that space. And it's really around both product strategy as well as more trust, building trust essentially, which is really how, as I have evolved, I'm bringing in that lens within the companies, right? Um, the second is the, the one-on-one coaching essentially. And this is, I will clarify that I am not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. If you need therapy you or counseling, you do need to go to somebody, you know, like, you know, um, Rachel, who's done a ton of work, or there are other, you know, therapists in your area, you can find out. I am a business and a career person, a coach who is informed, who's gone through, lived this journey, yes. and who can speak the language, who can see some patterns that we display in our workplace. And I have integrated all aspects of those things because I didn't want, I was feeling very disconnected. So I can help you with that to go after your dreams and not hold you back, like that you are not enough, you know, the same story, right? Um, yes. Like in terms of asking for more money, creating your dream business. So that's the one-on-one coaching side. And then the third is speaking. Um, Rachel, like I, I want to do a TED talk. I want to speak like my vision is that, you know, like in like, I'm 43 now, right? And when I read that stats on like 53, um, uh, years old is when people share my mom is and she's a survivor right she she hadn't shared that story until I shared with her in her 60s so I wow. kind of thought about on a hindsight like what would the quality of my life be if I knew that my mom yep. had experienced yep. abuse when I shared with my family almost half of the people have experienced abuse childhood sexual so I, wow. as I heal I am damn breaking that cycle, not in just my own household, but like yes, lady, I everywhere. Love it. Like, you know, and I have worked in like so many brands, right? GE, Amex, Bristol Myers Squibb, uh, you name it. And when I hear connected my colleagues and I hear I have known them from years and they are dealing with things in silence, right? They are not, they are not able to, for whatever reason, come forth and share. And that's okay. That's their choice. But just know that the part of you are just, you know, still holds you guilty in some way. So you feel that you, you won't be accepted, you know, if you come forward. And, and I don't, and I can see that why, right? And I hope that, you know, I, I, the reason I speak is that for use the, my voice for all of these people. Right on. I love that. Okay. I can't wait to see your TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that you are supporting people in chasing their dreams and understanding how to move that trauma out of their way so they can get there. Oh my gosh. It's been just such a joy to have you. Um, Final word. What do you want our listeners to most know? I want them to know they are perfect exactly the way they are and they are not alone hear me like Mm. and you are not alone you're perfect and you can you know you can change your reality just reach out reach out to somebody you know if people didn't believe you it's not your fault 
There are, you know, there are 8 billion people on this planet. Hope you reach out, you know, if you have nobody, like hopefully you are hearing this message, reach out to Rachel or me. Uh, we can point you to resources, but uh, reach out to someone. I simply want you to know that your life is a gift and please reach out to someone. Papa, on that beautiful note, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. I look forward to seeing the, your journey continue to unfold and staying in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you everybody for tuning in and joining us today. Um, as always, you can pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the resources on the site. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.